would receive back this gift of tithes and offerings. May they be used to bring your loving kingdom to earth now and to come. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray. Amen. As I was watching um, Pastor Meredith here and the scout leaders handing out the Eagle Bibles, I was actually reminded as I was watching these young guys come up and take them um, of a story that was told by one of our families in the church whose son became an Eagle Scout and then they were moving him into his new college dorm one day and as they were unpacking everything in the house or everything in the dorm room rather and putting things away, they watched him carefully get out his Bible that he had been given from the church, his Eagle Bible, and place it there on the shelf right above his desk. And the father told me, he said, that's when I knew my kid was okay, because here he's off to college, but the thing that he placed before him unashamedly was the Bible that was given to him when he became an Eagle Scout. So we're very proud of you guys, and um, proud of our scout leaders. They're, we just have, uh, we're blessed that we have so many amazing scout leaders that give incredible time to these young people and help mold and shape lives. And what a gift. And we're grateful to you all for being such wonderful mentors. Today we have the privilege of receiving into our church family some new members, and as I've shared with you before, I think that this is one of the greatest blessings that we as a church can receive, uh, and we've, we've been blessed today in three of our four services that we've brought in new families and new members into our congregation. And I think it's an amazing blessing too because these individuals and families are coming before you and acknowledging that you're the family that they want to grow in faith together with, that you're the people they want to serve Jesus Christ with. And so we are just so grateful to these families, and we pray that at the end of the service that you'll take the opportunity to welcome and to greet them as well. So at this time, we're going to invite Sharon, Thomas, and Kristen with Mary Grace, Caroline, and Catherine, and Jane to come forward. family. So we are truly blessed and they are transferring to us from other churches. So uh, I now ask you these questions. As members of Christ Universal Church, will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If so, please answer, I will. And as members of this congregation, will you faithfully support and participate in its ministries by your prayers your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, please respond, I will. Members of the household of God, I commend these persons to your love and to your care. Will you now do everything in your power to help increase their faith, to confirm their hope, and to perfect them in love? If so, please respond, we will. And will you now welcome your new members in Christ?
Our scripture this morning will come from Psalm 138. So I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will. Turn to Psalm 138. We're going to kind of walk through this psalm, so you may want the scripture before you. Psalm 138. While you're turning, I've shared with you before that... um, there are certain scriptures that I just dearly love. As a matter of fact, sometimes uh, Bible studies get a little tickled because we'll get to a new passage and go, oh, this is one of my favorite stories. And then we'll get to another, oh, this is one of my favorite stories. And somebody came up one day and go, is there any that are not your favorite stories? Um, and the Psalms, I will confess to you, were the parts of the scripture when I was younger that I wrestled with because it felt kind of like poetry or other things. And I I kind of wrestled some with the Psalms and just couldn't really get into them until I got a little older and began to realize that the Psalms are actually prayers. Many of them are prayers to God that we get to overhear. We get to overhear others sharing from their hearts a a conversation with God. It's been said that most scripture speaks to us, but that the Psalms speak for us. Because sometimes we, we don't know exactly what to say or how to pray or how to communicate with God. And we can turn to the Psalms and someone else can help us find the words to express what we're thinking and what we are feeling. So this is a prayer of David. David, the great king of Israel, offering this prayer to God. Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord. With my whole heart, before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you've exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. For they've heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I hear this prayer of David, I I hear some beautiful things occurring. I hear gratitude. David is so grateful to God for all that God has done in his life. And you hear worship. Worship. David praising God. Gratitude and and worship. I mean, these are, there are two of the attributes that we know that as we come together to worship our God, that, that God is looking for in us. But if we are honest, and if I'm honest with you, sometimes I confess that gratitude and worship 
it's a little hard at times to find. When things are going rough for us, we have a tendency to turn to God. When things are going well for us, if we're not careful, well, we can begin to take our relationship with God and God's presence in our life a little bit for granted. I mean, there's a saying, for example, that, that goes, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. That's credited back to World War II during the Battle of Bataan, and, and it's kind of debated whether it was a chaplain that said it, or a gruff old sergeant that said it, or a lieutenant colonel who stole it from the, from the sergeant. We're not really sure who said it, but it kind of caught on because President Eisenhower repeats it again in 1954 that no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. And the point of that statement is that, that when things are scary and terrifying and out of our control, we have a tendency to turn to God. But then once we're over it, sometimes we can forget. For example, September 11, 2001, when 9-11 hit and, and, and we watched what occurred with the terrorism, we were, we were terrified, sure enough. And, and so as a result, the following Sunday, churches across the United States were absolutely packed. But now we're pushing 18 years later. And if we're not careful sometimes then that those memories begin to fade a little bit and, and, and we kind of move on with life. So gratitude and worship, they begin to pull back ever so slightly. When things are going well, we can get a little comfortable. And David reminds me in this scripture that, that we need to, to pause and, and to reflect. We were talking the other day in our worship planning that some silence in worship is not a bad thing because sometimes we, we just need a little silence and a little pause to be able to, to reflect. Just to stop for a little bit and to reflect on who God is and what's really important to us. On Thursday night, I had arrived at home and Nancy and I were sitting there together and the, my telephone rang and and, and so I picked it up and it was a voice of one of our dear friends. And uh, there, there's a couple that, that we have just been incredibly close to for many, many years now. And, and, and actually, the, the guy is like a brother to me. We've gone beyond friendship to brotherhood. He's, he's one of my closest friends in the world, but he has been battling cancer now for quite some time. And so his wife was on the phone and she said to me, she, or to us, she said that that hospice had just left and they were letting them know that we're down now to hours or days but it's not going to be much longer and she said he really wanted me to call you guys and and to tell you and then she goes well hold on just a second and then when i hear this raspy voice come on and 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 it is him and he said hey buddy and i said hey brother and he goes um i don't have much time and I said, that's what I just heard. And he said, I just wanted you to know I love you. And we responded, of course, that we love you too. And, and so then when we were talking to his wife, I said, now we can leave right now. We can head your way. It was about an hour, 15, hour and a half, you know, to get there. I said, you know, we can head, head your way. And, and she goes, I think you're okay right now. And, and, you know, I don't think you have to come immediately, but he just really wanted you to know. And, and I'm glad he talked to you because he hasn't done that. And, and so... Um, then, then right after that, we got a text from the daughter who then said, if you could come tomorrow, that would be really great. 
And so the next day, of course, we, we take off and, and we go to spend some time there and go into the, to the house and I spent some time alone with him and then we were together, me and Nancy, his wife and his three kids, kind of there around the bed. And I'm holding his hand and we're talking and uh, he's whispering slightly at times. But then he acknowledged, I am so blessed. I'm so blessed. Because around him were the people that he loved. And they had just read scripture with him. I had sent them several verses of scripture that they could be able to pull up and, and read together. So he knew he was in the presence of his God and the presence of people who loved him. And I'm blessed. Sometimes we need to pause and think through what it is that really blesses us and, and how blessed we really are. Sometimes we can get so caught up that we take, take the things that are really important for granted. And, and we have a tendency to look at our glass and go, my glass is, it's, it's half empty. Instead of celebrating, my glass is half full. We just had a team return from Costa Rica and over my years of ministry here and in my previous churches, I've had the privilege of going to a variety of other countries and mission fields. And I'll just tell you, when the rest of the world looks at us, when the rest of the world looks at you, they don't see our glasses as, as, as half full. They see our cups running over. That we are indeed so incredibly blessed. David reminds us to, to take a pause and to reflect and, and just to say sometimes, thank you, God. Thank you, God. David is a, is a man after God's own heart, according to 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. And, and he's known as the greatest king in all of Israel. He's a great warrior, a mighty warrior that, that led Israel into some incredible battles and incredible victories. And, and David, David was the one when he was a kid that was able to, to take down a giant with a slingshot because he believed his God wouldn't let him down. So he went in with God. But, but David wasn't perfect. I mean, he struggled like the rest of us do. I mean, David struggled when he looked over and he saw Bathsheba and he lusted for another man's wife. And let one sin then led to another, to another David wasn't perfect. He may have been able to rule armies and soldiers and palaces and the whole country. Struggle being a father. You know, you may be able to run your, your business and run, run the country even, but being a dad is not always the easiest thing to do. Being a parent is not always the easiest thing to pull off. And David struggled with that. But now he's reflecting back on his faith and and he's giving thanks to God for a God who was with him whether he was doing great or whether he was drowning. He said, I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. My whole heart, everything that's in me, God, I, I worship and give thanks to you. I love that scripture when I look at it because it reminds me when, when we come in to worship, God is actually looking for us to come to worship with our whole heart. Sometimes it's not easy to come in ready to worship with our whole heart. Sometimes there's a lot of other things that are on our minds that kind of keep us from it. I love the cartoon that shows a mother trying to wake up her son and goes, son, wake up. It's time to go to church. He says, I don't want to go to church. She said, son, wake up. It is time 
to go to church. You've got to go to church today. And, 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 and he said, I don't feel like going to church today. And she said, son, get up and go to church. You're the pastor. <laughs> Sometimes our heart's just not really in it. Sometimes we come and there's some other things that are going on in our minds, but, but God wants us to come and give Him our whole heart and worship Him with everything that we've got. I love doing weddings and, and I love meeting with couples and planning the ceremonies and one of the, the baptism we did in the earlier service, which you know now that I've been here for a while, I'm getting to do the wedding and later do the baptism of the kids and it's just kind of an amazing gift. And I love working with families and when we do a wedding, we don't allow couples to get up and do vows that, that kind of are half in. You know, like, let's stand before God, look at each other, repeat after me. I kind of sort of love you. <laughs> I, I will be there for you most of the time. Uh, you know, for the better, some worse, preferably richer, not really poorer. I mean, we don't allow that. I mean, we, when we do weddings, it's a, are you all in? A genuine relationship is when you can look at the other and go, I'm all in. I'm all in for you. I'm committed to you. And David said, when I worship you, God, I'm all in. I worship you with my whole heart. All in. And he goes, and I, I worship you before the gods. And when you read that, that gets a little bit confusing. And if it confuses you, don't feel bad because when you read the biblical scholars, they're just as confused trying to figure out exactly what was David saying there. I mean, some scholars go, well, you know, in, in some of the scriptures like Daniel and Isaiah and Revelation, we get a glimpse of, of the throne of God and the kingdom of God. And so around you have the angels and you have the seraphim all around the throne of God. And, and so David is saying, I'll worship you before all the heavenly beings. As a matter of fact, some of your Bibles are actually, actually translate that verse into, I'll worship before the angels. But other biblical scholars go, eh, I'm not sure that's what it means. It could mean, you know, David is the great king of all of Israel. And, and, and there are other kings and kingdoms that are watching David and, and watching Israel at this time. And, and, and some of these other kingdoms and some of these other lands, they have their false gods. And, and, and they have these gods that they worship that are not the true God. And, and David may be going, and, and God, I will worship you before all these gods because this is the true God. I'll worship you before all these gods. But the key thing is, David was public about his worship. He, he didn't hide it. He said, the kings will know who you are because David was willing to give his testimony. This is my God. And I worship this God. I'm all in. That worship was not just something that, that we joined together in the temple to do or in the sanctuary to do. But David goes, I will worship and praise you before all the people all the time. That's who I am. And I bow down before you. I love when you see that part of the scripture because David was the king. He was used to people bowing before him. When you came in to see the king, you bow before the king. David was the king. David was the one used to other people bowing down as they came into his presence. But David then turns and says, but God, I turn and bow before you. I turn and bow before your presence. Why? Why? Because your steadfast love and your faithfulness. I 
I can't help but worship you because you're faithful. One of the things that we always shared with our kids as they were growing up, and parents, I encourage you to share with your kids, and that is that there's absolutely nothing you could ever do to keep me from loving you. Constantly tried to share with our kids, there is absolutely nothing you could ever do to keep me from loving you. Now, you may break my heart, and you may do some things that frustrates me. You may do some things that will cause you to be grounded for all eternity. But there is nothing you can do that will keep me from loving you. Because you're my kid. And I will love you regardless. And David looks up at his God and he goes, I I praise you because of your steadfast love. I mean, your love is constant. Your faithfulness is constant. It never wavers. It's why Paul then is able to say in Romans 5, 8 that God proves his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. While we were in a mess, Christ loved us. While we were messing up royally, Christ loved us and died for us. Nothing you could ever do to keep me from loving you. So David says, your name and your word, it's above everything. And he goes, I called on you. And I called on you, you answered me. When I called on you, you answered. I was talking with one of our youth just recently, and, and it was just a great conversation with this, with this young man. But he looked at me and he said, you know, I've, I've really prayed about this, but I think God's ignoring me. It was an interesting statement. I've, I've prayed about this for a while now, for a couple weeks but I think God's ignoring me. And I was able to share with him, God's not ignoring you. Sometimes God answers us, you know, with a different answer than what I'm looking for. And sometimes the timing of God's answer may not be exactly what we hoped that it would be. But I can tell you now, God is not ignoring you. Because there is no one in this world that God loves more than you. God is not ignoring you. Because there's no one in this world that God loves more than you. David goes, I, I called and you answered. And, and then he says, and the Lord, the Lord regards the lowly. It's interesting that David the king saying that God regards the lowly. I mean, it's interesting that the guy who has palaces and the servants and the chariots and the horses, and all these amazing things goes, and God, God actually regards the lowly. Because what God's talking about here, what David's talking about here, is, is not a rich or poor thing. I mean, he says that, that God, God looks at the haughty, though, from a distance, but he regards the lowly. And when you play with the Hebrew, and you get into the Hebrew words there, actually what he's saying there is, is that God regards those who are humble. But those who are proud, arrogant, hubris, filled with hubris and and narcissism and and whatever it else might be, those are the people that God can't seem to tolerate well. Those are the people that, that he sees from a distance. But those who are willing to humble themselves, God pays attention. It's like the story Jesus told of of the two men coming in to worship one day. One was a religious leader. The other one was a tax collector. They walk into the church, they walk into the temple, and, and, and the religious leader goes, God, 
I'm here. <laughs> Just want you to know. I'm here. And God, I'm not making this up. It's in the Gospel of Luke. He said, God, I just thank you that I'm not like the rest of the people here, especially the choir. <laughs> what he really says is, I thank you that I'm not like other people here, especially this guy. Literally points to the tax collector. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, especially like this guy. The tax collector. He wouldn't even look up, Jesus said. He just kind of put his hands to his chest and he goes, God, I know who I am. Man, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, now that's the guy that got it. That's the guy. That's the guy that went home blessed and justified. That's the guy. That's what David's talking about when he said those who are haughty and, and those who, are, who make everything about them and, and, and every, all, even being in worship is about them. Well, God can't deal much with them because they're not ready to open their hearts. But those who are lowly and humble, that's the one. That's the one. David says, I, even when I go before my enemies, you protect me. I, I'm reminded that David also wrote the 23rd Psalm. And in the 23rd Psalm, verse 4, David says, And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're right here with me. And he says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I've told you before, that's a part of the scripture that I always struggled with as a kid because my parents knew the scripture that said, spare the rod, spoil the child. I, I, you know, I, I never figured out how your rod and your staff, they comfort me because the rod in our house was anything but comforting. <laughs> but from a shepherd's standpoint, the rod, the rod was not used on the sheep. The rod was a tool that a shepherd used to protect the sheep. The shepherd learned how to throw the rod with precision and accuracy so if anything ever tried to bother one of the sheep, the shepherd knew how to use the rod to make sure nothing could harm one of his beloved. David, I walk before your enemies. You protect me. You stretch out your hand. I love that scripture and when I read it, I, I'm reminded in Matthew 14 of the time when when the disciples were out in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually just a big lake. You can, you can see from one side to the other. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful lake with a hillside all around. And, and because there are mountains all around and the valleys kind of cut into it, it'll, you can get a storm on the water in just a second. And, and so the disciples who are fishermen are out on the water and, and all of a sudden a storm comes up and it's late at night and the wind's blowing and the waves are tossing and, and, and probably some lightning flashing and thunder sounding and, and they're afraid and they look out and they see this figure coming across the water and now they are scared to death. Why? Well, the sea in biblical times was believed to be where the de demonic lived or where the demons would live. It's one of the reasons why when you see that, that you know, Jesus cast out the demon from legion, it goes into the swine, and where did the swine go? Off the cliff into the water, because the water was where demons were believed to live. 
So when you're out on a stormy lake and, and you see a figure coming, the first thought was, oh no. Oh no. It's a demon coming toward us. And, and they're terrified and Jesus realizes they're afraid and, and, and Jesus said, don't be afraid. It is I. And then Peter, you got to love Peter. Peter's just one of those guys who says something before he really thinks it through. you got to love Peter. Peter goes, oh yeah, if it's really you, then tell me to come out there. Isn't that about the dumbest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> I mean, if it was a demon, don't you know the demon's going, come on out here, buddy, swim with us. But he hears the voice of Jesus, don't be afraid, it's I. And so Peter steps out of the boat. You know, we give Peter a hard time because he starts sinking beneath the water, but you have to give him credit. He's the only disciple that ever felt what it was like to walk on water. He's the only one that had enough guts to step out of the boat to start with. So Peter starts walking to Jesus, but when he does, he feels the wind in his face, the waves crashing around him, the thunder, the lightning, all those things occurring, and pretty soon he... He becomes afraid and he starts sinking. And he prays this beautiful prayer. It's one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. It's an easy, simple prayer, but a beautiful prayer. It goes like this. Help! <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple. It was just a basic prayer. And we're told that Jesus reached out his hand and took Peter's hand. There's something about God's right hand. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Exodus 56, 15, verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. Acts 5, verse 31, Luke says, And God exalted him, meaning Jesus, at his right hand as leader and savior that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Luke 22, verse 69, Jesus himself says, From now on the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. The good news. David knew when I needed you and I called out, you were there. It may have been a simple prayer, something like, help! But God reached out His hand. And God will reach out His hand to us. And we may feel like today that, that the waves are tossing, the wind is blowing, and all we can see is lightning, and all we can hear is thunder all around us, and we think we're about to drown. But if we call out, God said, I will take your hand. David said, I call to you, and you reached out your hand, your right hand. And then he concludes, he said, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Here's the good news for all of us. Before you were ever born, God had a plan for you. We, we shared today as we were baptizing a child that in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God says, before I formed you in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I had a plan for you, he said. 
And he has a plan for each of us. And David goes, and the Lord will fulfill his plan. He'll fulfill his purpose for me and for you. I love the Psalm of David. If you're looking for one to kind of mark in your Bible, this is not a bad one. It's a Psalm that can speak for us because David teaches us how to worship. God, I just want to thank you and praise you because you have, you've always loved me. You've told me that there's nothing, nothing, nothing I could ever do that would keep you from loving me. Hear the good news. You are beloved by God. And David said, and, and when I needed you and I called out to you, you were there. You answered me. You didn't ignore me, but instead you reached out your hand. And if you feel like you are drowning today, good news. God's amazing right hand is reaching out for you right now. And if you've never experienced that grace of Jesus Christ and never accepted Him as Savior and Lord, good news. Today, the hand of God is reaching out for you. All you've got to do is take it because God loves you as much as anyone else in this place. And God has a purpose for you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. God's hand is reaching out for you. David said he will fulfill his plan. It's no wonder that David, when he prayed to God, simply said, thank you. Thank you, God. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For you have loved us with a steadfast love. And you have always been faithful. You will always love us. And you proved it by offering your only Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. You proved to us that you were all in when you gave us your son. And God, as we come to worship you, we are all in as well. And God, we are grateful that when we need you, you reach out your hand. You will not let us drown, but will hold us and fulfill your plan in each of our lives. So God, we worship you. We bow before you in love and in praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As we sing our closing hymn, this altar, it's always open. There's something about bowing before God. And if you're looking for Jesus to receive your hand for the very first time, accept him as Savior and Lord, his arms reaching out to you today, great place to come and receive him. And if you feel like you're about to drown, good news. His arms reaching out. And with a simple prayer like, help, he'll take your hand in the name of Jesus Christ. Will you stand as we sing?